The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Hello and welcome to this exciting edition of the Worldview Media Podcast and I'm your host Gordon Runyon and with me in the studio today is the girl with whom I am like peas and carrots, my wife Joyce. Oh. And joining us from her college in Portales, New Mexico, we have a girl who has been known to enjoy the mystery of a box of chocolates. Uh, well, thanks. Hello, Jordan. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us from her uh, palatial estate in Orlando, Florida, <laughs> we have my oldest daughter who curiously for one time for no reason at all took off and ran across the country four times this is our daughter carmen hello carmen hello and we are here you're what i'm pretty tired yeah after (laughs) running all that uh so our our subject this time is the Classic cinematic achievement, Forrest Gump. Oh, Forrest Gump. Let's talk about what Forrest Gump is. In this movie, we follow the story of a man who's, I don't want to be cruel, he's, what, probably borderline retarded. He's, he, they say his IQ is 75, and that's very low. So we follow his life. Kind of the whole story about it is that just by accident he winds up inserted in a lot of kind of important moments in American history. And we see him on newscasts with presidents and stuff like that. The real plot, I think, is not so much his life and how it progresses, but his relationship to his best girl, Jenny, and his quest to really become her man so 
I think that one of the strengths of it, I didn't remember it until I started watching, but one of the strengths of the show was that they did some innovative things with CGI, and yeah, that was just a that was a new technology at, at the time. So they were able to insert Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump in old news clips, old newsreel stories, and also they were able to digitally get rid of the legs on uh, Lieutenant, Dan. Lieutenant Dan yeah. when his legs were amputated. And as far as I remember, that was one of the first. Yeah. Big movies that really use CGI to great effect like that. Okay, so now that we've got that kind of little summary down, anybody have any overall comments on it? Well, I'll start off and I'll say, when when you chose this title, <laughs> I think the consensus from everybody was kind of like, Forrest Gump. <laughs> you know, we were like, oh, not Forrest. You know, but um, in watching the movie, you know, it really is, it's a good movie. It's got a lot of, um, I think it's got a lot of meat in what's going on there. You know, I shouldn't have been so down about watching Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else have anything overall to say? Uh, I think there's a lot of, I don't know, I, I guess I agree with Mom. That you weren't happy about watching it? Well, yeah, and then, you know, it was better than I, that I wanted to, to believe it was. <laughs> All right. Carmen, anything? You know, it's a good movie. It's classic. There's a reason people like it. It's not my, uh, it's not my thing. It's not the kind of genre I go for, you know, but it's not, not a bad movie to sit down and watch. Okay, yeah, I think I was pleasantly surprised. I had heard people suggest it, and it's an Academy Award winner, kind of an important movie, And but I yeah. honestly I honestly wasn't that enthused about it. I think I liked it better than I was thinking I was going to. <laughs> so we all started in the same boat. That's, that's good. Okay, so now when we start to analyze the movie for worldview and, and try to figure out what the underlying worldview message is that Forrest Gump is preaching. Let me propose something and see if you all think it's right. I think the first issue of the covenant is transcendence, and I think that the the transcendence issue gets it gets explained explicitly right at the end of the movie as Forrest Gump is at Jenny's grave and and he's kind of uh, ruminating about life and and all of that and and i think the thing he said was he asked the question do we all have a destiny or are we just kind of floating along like a leaf in the wind and then he says well maybe it's both yeah and i kind of feel like that's the theme of the whole movie i don't know what y'all think yeah. well i you know i think that pretty much the entire movie spot on you know that the thing that kind of frustrates me about it is that he's just sort of floating through most of the film. Like, it's not until he goes and meets up with Jenny that he's actively, like, chosen to do something. The rest of it's just him kind of wandering into things. <laughs> right, right. Like, saying that he's trying, like, everybody else in the film is trying to find something. He's just kind of floating. Yeah, and, and he winds up where he needs to be. I think the the artistic bit 
the cinemagraphic bit of that. I think that story gets told in microcosm at the beginning of the end, at the end as we're watching the feather yeah. floating. Yeah, I was going to say that myself, that you really see that foreshadowed with him at the end of the movie with this just feather yeah. randomly blowing through the wind, down through the sky, falling on the ground, and then just winding up by his feet. And, right. you know, even with his mom talking about um, there being a destiny and that she was destined to be his mama. And uh, so there's a lot of... Um, some things that would seem coincidental, perhaps, to some people, but I think when Forrest is there sitting on the park bench and he's talking to these strangers about his life, basically, what's happened to him, what's got him to this point, I don't think he thinks it's extraordinary. I think he's just done what he's supposed to have done. You know, Jenny said run, and so he ran, <laughs> and his mama said, you know, you obey what you're told, and... And so he does these simple things and uh, winds up doing some extraordinary things because he can do these simple tasks. I agree. I think that I think that feather at the beginning and the end that is Forrest Gump. You know, that's a symbol of his life and who he is. Well, I also think there's a lot of uh, like irony, sort of that you know everybody's talking about you know that they they're finding their destiny or you know that even at the end where she's saying that. I was born to be your mama and all that stuff, but she's also saying stuff about, like, I don't, I don't know if I was supposed to do this and stuff like that, so there's a lot of people saying that this was my destiny and all that, and then later on they're like, oh, you know, it actually wasn't. And right. I yeah. thought that was interesting. I think about that with Lieutenant Dan when he's talking about Lieutenant yeah. Dan and how all of his family <laughs> was right. destined yeah. to die in a war. And, of course, Lieutenant Dan thought the same thing and thought he'd been gypped out of his destiny. <laughs> yeah, that kind of brings us to uh, the second point of the covenant, which is hierarchy, where we start to talk about if if that whole balance or the the opposition between destiny and things kind of randomly happening if that's the theme then who are the characters that represent that and we've already kind of talked about the fact that Forrest is obviously a representative of the idea of he's just the feather floating on the wind and not really in control of where he's going but I was thinking that on the other side of that thematic dualism that Lieutenant Dan kind of represented the other side. He's the one that's really trying to find his destiny and, and purpose. And uh, so I thought maybe there's kind of, he kind of also represents the theme just coming from the opposite angle. I thought that Jenny was the opposite angle. She was always the one that was uh, like actively leaving and actively trying to find something and I think you're really um, you're really on that one where they're in the field and she says pray with me to, you know make me a bird where I can fly away and and that's really what she's tried to do throughout the movie and and still winding up in the same bad places even though she's really trying to better herself and 
Yeah, she's a, she is the opposite of Forrest, you know, actively trying to go somewhere and do something where Forrest is just kind of like, well, this is where I am, this is where I'm going. I think Forrest asks her to marry him, mm. and does she say, you don't know what love is? And I thought, yeah. you know, she's the one that doesn't know what love is. <laughs> you know, I think Forrest actually has it right, and she just, she doesn't know what it is. Well, he calls her out on it, too. He says, I might not be a smart man, but I know what love is. And he, like, walks out, and that's, like, the only point in the film that he gets, like, actually upset. Yeah. You know, actually, like, angry with someone. Right, right. And um, Lieutenant Dan and Forrest are, they're different from what normal people are. And I think where Lieutenant Dan before was a whole person who kind of blended in and he was fine, you know, now that he is, um, he has no legs, I think he feels for Forrest more than when he did originally. And not that he was mean to Forrest ever, but he his plight is better understood by him because he now is also different. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. We shouldn't move on, I guess. I might have jumped the gun. The other transcendence issue is the the movie kind of surprisingly gets explicitly religious in terms of Lieutenant Dan and kind of mocking have you you know have you found jesus yet and and then uh mocking god during the storm and challenging god and and then at the very end you know it's said explicitly he's fine he seems to have found peace and i think in the context of the movie the god that he was mad at there is jesus christ you know and so i'm kind of i was kind of pleasantly surprised to find that in there that you know, he wasn't mad at Buddha. He wasn't mad at Muhammad or <laughs> Allah or anything like yeah. that. He was angry with the God of the Bible. That's actually explicit in yeah. there. Well, you know who else are you really going to be angry at? <laughs> right. Well, so, Paul is an American movie, so. Oh, right. Yeah, but I don't think, I don't think that, I don't think it was made by a Christian man, though. And yeah. so... I, I just think it worked out really well like that. And and he's, I believe the director has said he didn't intend to give out any kind of conservative message or anything like that. And I think his message was that things are basically random and that the only meaning that there really is is meaning that you kind of... Put into it. Yeah, you tack on to whatever yeah. it is that happens to you. But that bit with Lieutenant Dan and coming coming to some kind of peace with God, I was kind of happy to see that. Well, let's move on to talk about ethics then and mention moral dilemmas and how you saw those working out. The first one I saw in the movie was Forrest's mom and her ethical dilemma about how is she going to get him in school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... You know, you feel bad for her. She's trying to do what she can, and I have no doubt that she felt like she was acting out of concern for his future and all that, but she basically winds up prostituting herself for well, the sake of getting him that, in school. that speaks more to the power of the principal and his willingness to kind of distort that power and, and make somebody do something that they wouldn't normally do. Yeah, I'm sure that's in there, but... She knew what she was doing, though. Well, yeah. But the only reason she was doing that is because she felt like she had to do that. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's easy to sympathize with her plight at that moment. But 
I just want to point out that biblically speaking, when we talk about a Christian worldview, it's our belief that you never are placed in a position where you have to do wrong in order to do what's right. And so the reason that we kind of naturally side with her and sympathize with her in that moment is because, well, we've all felt those kinds of those kinds of temptations like if i if i do this now maybe it'll work out better and i really love this person that i'm dealing with and and so i'm willing to i'm willing to fudge ethics and morals a little bit for the sake of achieving this worthy goal or something and that's just not a biblical way of thinking is is why i bring that up any other uh moral dilemmas strike you i think uh, Jenny had a moral dilemma um, that she was dealing with uh, when she leaves Forrest after he gets back from Vietnam and um, then she comes back to him basically to like get clean um, and she says, you know, you you really love me sort of thing, to, like you really want to marry me and it's not a, it's not like a, like a, oh, you really want to marry me or something like that. It's that she doesn't see uh, worth in this stuff. So she did that she doesn't see herself as um, as worth being loved or worth being uh, of being, you know, loved by him like the way that he does. You know, that she's like, because she's aware that, you know, he's never going to understand that all the drugs or any of that kind of stuff, you know, he's never going to get that. But she knows that and she still isn't able to kind of forgive herself and move on from that and uh, be happy with him until, uh, you know, she has this kid and sees him later on. Okay. Um, I also thought that mom was a little bit of a, a hypocrite. A what? A little bit of a hypocrite. Oh, a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah that she, you know, she tells Forrest that, you know, don't let anybody ever tell you any that you're different, you know. If we're all, the, if we're all meant to be different, we'd all have less races. They're the same, we'd all have less races. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they the definition of normal. But then as soon as she goes in and talks to the, the principal, and she's like, oh, well, everyone's, everybody's different you should go ahead and just let him you know join join the school because he's just like everybody else because everybody's different you know so <laughs> the things that she would tell him that, that she would say to other people were were different things well i see what you're saying but i, I see what she was doing was just trying to make it normal across the board you know that yeah yeah, he may have been a little bit different, but that did make him less worthy. And saying the same thing to the principal, everybody's different, and that doesn't make him less worthy. So I think it was kind of the same thing she was saying. She was just saying it in different ways. And that was something Forrest always said as well, is that, you know, she had a way of saying things that he got. You know, he understood what she was saying. Right. And they were, you know, they were big concept ideas, but they were simple enough that he said, I, I understand you. All right, Mom, did you spot moral dilemmas? You know, the whole story for me was filled with moral dilemmas for Forrest. Yeah. You know, everywhere he went, uh, what am I going to do? And and it was still the same basic thing at the beginning. You know, do what you're told, be obedient. If you get into trouble, run out of there. <laughs> and it was just, you know, he went in not trying to be a hero, not wanting to elevate himself, just doing the simple right things, even though they were small, and uh, seemed to, to usually come up on the right side of the moral issues, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Jordan, you have anything? Uh, I agree with Mom. I feel like he would come into these, like, crises and stuff, and then there wouldn't even really be much of a crisis for him because he already sort of had his answer, you know? Oh, right, right. He, he, I think that was kind of neat that he didn't struggle very much. He had kind of heard enough and, and knew enough along the way, and there were simple things that he knew, and and it was enough to carry him through. I was thinking a little bit about how, you know, when you, if you get a book or you read an article about how to be successful or how so-and-so has been successful, they're almost, they're never going to mention your IQ or how smart you are. They're always going to mention things like uh, personal integrity and a willingness to work hard toward your goals and and I really feel like if you've got those simple things in line, then you can be successful. And especially that bit about working hard, you do that, you're probably going to be successful. And and so even if you're even if you're Forrest Gump and your IQ is only 75 or or whatever, you know, you get a couple of simple concepts correct, you're probably going to be okay in your life. And, and Forrest was always true to his word. You know, Jenny told him before he went to Vietnam, if you ever get in trouble, you just run. I don't care what you do when you run and you get out of there. And so they did get into trouble and he ran and then he noticed he was the only one <laughs> and went to go back for his friend, Bubba, who was going to go in the shrimp yeah. business with. And he couldn't find Bubba, but he found somebody else. So he picked him up and he ran out and he went back to find Bubba and he picked up the next guy until, you know, he finally finds his friend Bubba. And it was just all very simple things for him. He made a promise to Bubba. He couldn't leave him back there, and so he had to go find him. Yeah. And even though Bubba winds up dying, you know, well, they're going to have a shrimp in business. <laughs> Which... Well, it wasn't that, you know, when he gets a successful business, he says that, you know, he thinks the share that Bubba would have got to... Nobody knew about Forrest in Bubba's hometown, you know, that that was their plan. So he... He technically, he could have kept Bubba's share and done whatever he wanted with, but that, that didn't even occur to him, you know? Yeah. No, it didn't, and it would have been out of his character to to say, well, I'm not going to do this. And even Lieutenant Dan thought, well, this is crazy. When you're a shrimping captain, I'll be your first mate. And, you know, thinking this will never happen. <laughs> Let's move on to talk about sanctions, where we talk about the rewards that people get for their ethical choices and... Do the good guys get what they deserve? Do the bad guys get what they deserve? In the biblical covenant, this is where you're going to read things like Deuteronomy 27 and 28, the blessings and cursings. And so in the world that has been created here, Forrest Gump, how does that work out? I think uh, I'll start out by saying again, one of my favorite storylines there is Lieutenant Dan and... I really feel like he finds some kind of redemption there in the in the sense that he had lost his identity and he had lost his purpose in life and by the end of the story he's he's up on his feet so to speak and and ready to kind of take on the world again and he's at peace with God and so I really felt like that was a a neat end to his storyline there 
I'll let y'all talk about any more you may have noticed. I kind of feel like you see a lot of that kind of stuff with uh, Jenny. Just because, like, we see her in her whole, uh, you know, all her wild days and stuff. Right. And then she does eventually, like, get sick, and you can sort of imagine that it's because of, you know, all of these past indiscretions and stuff. And right. you sort of see all of that coming to a head. So she does sort of, there are consequences for the way that she was living her life and stuff. Yeah. Was the virus that she had, was that the AIDS virus? What do you think? I kind of think I it was. I feel like it was. Yeah, with all of her drug use and needle use. and Yeah, that's the one that's uh, usually theorized by people that have watched this, is that she gets uh, AIDS and uh, HIV. Yeah. Well, then the timeline makes me wonder about, did she expose Forrest to that? Or was the baby born while she was exposed to that? Or I don't know. Yeah, well, we don't have that information, so... And I don't think people realized when this virus first showed up yeah. what the deal was with it. So Right. Okay. And Forrest, uh, did he get what he deserved? I, shoo. <laughs> I think things work out all right. They're kind of bittersweet for him with the loss of Jenny and... You know he's healthy and prosperous, and he's got a he's got his son, and yeah, I think he's I think he's gonna be okay. I think he got what he was needing to get. Well, and I think in all of that, that his mother was always very practical with him, and even when she was dying, he was like, well, "What's going on?" And she's just like, "Well, I'm dying." Yeah. <laughs> you know this this is something that happens to everybody, and. You don't get out of it, you know? Right. And so I think just some of that that stuff grounded him, and it wasn't maybe as scary. Right. And even though he just had Jenny for that little bit of time where they were together and living together and had their son with him, she was always with him. And I think he even tells her that. She was like, I wish I could have been there with you when you were all these places. And to him, she was there. Right. He was carrying her as he carried a torch. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even with what he would probably write her in the letters and stuff, you know, he was always thinking of her. Sure. Yeah. All right. And uh, that kind of leads to talk about succession and what's the future for our characters here. And I kind of already gave mine away. I think Forrest is set up to do pretty well. He's got all the tools that he needs and... And he's been blessed with the with the boy and with a monetary fortune. I think he'll be fine. Succession-wise, you see him raising his own son, and he's kind of raising him in his image a little bit. And yeah, and that's a big deal in succession about how we train up the younger generation. So you see that happening there. And if he trains him up the way he's been trained up, his son's probably going to turn out all right. You know? Yeah. Well, just with succession, I'm thinking, you know, when Jenny tells him, I named him after his dad and his name is Forrest, and he's like, well, that's my name. <laughs> and then, you know. Well, the thing is, he doesn't put it together. Like, yeah, he's he like. Has a dad name? <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, his biggest fear, I mean, he looks horrified that this is his child because he's afraid. You know, he says, "Is how is he? Is he okay? Yeah. 
and you know is he is he like me and he's he's smart is what she tells him but you know Forrest really was he was a good man he may not have been a smart man but he was a good man yeah yeah well anything else on this five-point covenant model what was your favorite part of the movie? Uh, Bob was telling him all about shrimp. And <laughs> uh, they're scrubbing the floor, and he says, I think that's about it. And they come over to each other for a second, and I just go back to what they're doing. There was a lot of ways of fixing shrimp. That's right. <laughs> I think my favorite part is just them sitting up in the tree. I like that. Yeah. I like them sitting up in the tree. Oh. Okay, I, I changed. I, I like that part, but my favorite part is the part is where she's up in front of the crowd and he hears her screaming for him, and she walks out, and then uh, the way that he yells her name is just, it's great. And then they run out, and everybody cheers. That's great. Jen. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part was when he mooned Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I just feel like we shouldn't go on before talking about the explicit theme of the movie which really wasn't a statement so much as it was a question. Is destiny a real thing, or are all these things happening randomly? And is it true that the only destiny we have is kind of the meaning that we import into these random things that happen? And uh, biblically, the answer is that God has known the end from the beginning, and that he really does have a purpose in everything that happens in your life. However, that doesn't mean that everything that happens is automatically going to look like it belongs in whatever you think your destiny may be. You know, there are, there are going to be things that happen. They're not out of God's control. He's planned them and he's put them there. But there are going to be things that happen that kind of shock you in the sense that they don't seem to lead to where you think your life is going. And... Uh, those can be very jarring and very unsettling and kind of challenges to your faith and all that. But we do believe it's necessary in the Christian worldview to acknowledge God's sovereignty in every area, everything that happens. It reminds me a little bit, just watching the movie, I was reminded about how in our day it's very popular, it's very common to hear popular people say when they're interviewed well, I think everything happens for a reason. And you hear that over and over again. And the only way that can be true is if God is directing every event. You know, if you don't believe in a in a God who is really sovereign, then you don't have a right to say everything happens for a reason. If you're an atheist, a materialist, there's no reason for anything to happen. <laughs> and, and whatever happens, it just happens. And... This idea that the only meaning there can be is meaning that we put in it, that's a philosophy that leads to death, like right away. There's no way that can be sustained. So I just want to clear that up, make sure we know, although Forrest Gump is a good movie and, and it has lots of redeeming qualities about it, at the bottom it's coming from an unbelieving and yeah. naturalistic worldview that really doesn't fit with a lot of the things they're trying to say. Well, unfortunately, when people don't think out their worldviews 
to the logical conclusion, <laughs> that's when you get things like that, you know, saying, right. oh, well, everything happens for a reason, but I don't believe in God, so I don't know what the reason is. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right, anything else, y'all? Anything you wanted to say but you haven't got to say yet? I have one thing. I think Forrest messed up with the endorsement of the ping pong equipment, but that was really under the influence of his mother. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because she's kind of made that, she's kind of made that adjustment. Ends justify the means. And... Yeah, because he's like, well, I can't do that. This isn't. That's not the paddle I used. And she was like, well, they're gonna give us this much money. Can't you just hold it? <laughs> and he's like, well, okay, I could do that. <laughs> right. So maybe moms mess up on occasion. I don't know. It could happen. I don't believe that. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good observation for for him. She was practically the lawgiver. She told him what was right and what was wrong, and what she said is the way it is. Uh, yeah. And Jenny, Jenny had some important. Yeah. Well, very good, you guys. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for watching the long movie that you didn't want to watch. And too bad we didn't have chocolates while we were watching. Yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> Truly it is. All right, thanks, guys. And so we're signing off from Worldview Media Podcast. And once again, just want to encourage you all to press the crown rights of King Jesus into every area of your life, including entertainment and arts and media. He's going to have dominion over it all. And we need to be trained in how to spot a worldview and how to preach a worldview so that's what we're doing here so god bless you all until next time bye 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 thank you for listening to the worldview media podcast please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks